Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of Concussion Chats. My name's Concussion Chats is a podcast hosted by the McGill Students for Concussion Legacy Foundation with the help of Nick from Concussion Talk. We hope to provide hope and strength to those suffering from concussions through sharing experiences of others. Today, I have a recording of Emily Fraser's talk to our concussion support group. Emily is an educator and the face behind the Instagram account post underscore concussion underscore support. Ever since her brain injury that she sustained in 2018 in a car accident, Emily has been passionate raising awareness surrounding invisible injuries and supporting the PCS community. The beginning of this recording did get cut off, um, and the part that got cut off is just Emily saying she got into a car wreck. It's a life and a light in my eyes, and then I just kind of went home and and fell asleep for like several hours. And that's when kind of the symptoms started to start up again. Um, so I, I was a band and choir teacher at the time. Um, it's been about, sorry, my cat's whining. It's been about two years since my injury and um, I'm still not able to go back to teaching band or choir. But even if I was, those aren't really allowed right now given all the COVID protocols in my province. So um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I guess I, in terms of sharing, I thought I'd just kind of go over some of the top 10 things I've learned on my journey so far. Um, and then, yeah, excited to hear from all of you as well. Um, I use she, her pronouns, and I'm really happy to hear that you guys, you all of you do that. I, I At my school, I started a gender and sexuality awareness club to support LGBTQ youth. So I think it's really important. Um, so one of the the first things I learned was really the importance of rest. I don't know about the rest of you, but I was very much a like type A perfectionist type person, um, was very, very busy, always going from one thing to the other, socializing and whatnot. And um, I guess the, the first lesson I really learned was that rest could be productive and really that my worth wasn't based on my productivity. So learning that it was okay to not have to constantly accomplish something, that it was okay to just rest. And, and, and I think at least the concussion really helped me learn how to slow down. Um, another thing I really learned about was the importance of 
like stress management. I had never known, I tried meditation on and off, but actually just being completely debilitated in a dark room, staying at home, I was kind of forced to uh, really pick up meditation. And um, one of those things that I learned about was the vagus nerve. I don't know what kind of guest speakers you had on here, or if it's been talked about, but um, for me, learning that meditation and extending your exhale more than twice as long activates and stimulates the vagus nerve, which then activates your rest and digest. The parasympathetic um, nervous system was like a huge learning for me because I think a lot of us after our initial, the impact of um, when the concussion happens, our, our bodies go into fight or flight. And I think a lot of us can stay in that space for a really long time. So for me, it was a real gift that I've like learned how to meditate. And that's been like huge for my pain management. Um, it's all over Instagram. These, another thing is these um, posts about how recovery isn't linear. And I feel like it's so, so hard to be patient and I'm myself trying to remind myself that I'm I'm back at work part-time and right now as a teacher with all the COVID protocols like it's really stressful and it's brought back a lot of symptoms and I kept thinking like I'm in the clear and I'm near the end and that's why I had started um, running my own support groups and feeling like I could give back and honestly I've just kind of been tanking lately and so um just remembering that the process isn't linear. There's going to be so many ups and downs in this. And that's really hard, especially in the low days. But I always try to remind myself that the feelings and the symptoms are always temporary and try to figure out what the root cause is and go from there, even though it's really hard. Um, I also learned really the importance of importance of pacing like I feel like that's like one of the biggest things that people with brain injuries need to learn about I hadn't heard about spoon theory till I started seeing the hashtag or seeing like spoony accounts on Instagram and um so if you're not familiar which I hope most of you are the spoon theory is that you have like a set of energy reserve when you start the day and if you have a brain injury you're already operating at a deficit so for some people like if you start with eight spoons, showering would take one spoon, driving to work would be another. But for people with a brain injury, like I remember at the beginning, like showering was like, if I showered, I'd have to sleep for two hours after. And like, who knew that that could be such an exhausting activity. So really learning how to pace and, and, and put in very clear breaks throughout my day and in between every activity was really big. And something that really helped me with that was using a timer because I think also it was really easy for me to lose focus or lose track of time. And even if my timer did go off, if I felt like I was in the middle of a task, even if it was just like writing a comment for an Instagram post, I would just keep pushing through and so I learned to set a timer usually 20 minutes is my max and I have to put it in another room so I'd have to have to actually get up and walk to it to turn it off so that was like a really big thing that helped me um one of the big things was also learning not to play the victim which was really hard at the beginning I was paired with a psychologist at the very beginning on the phone and like then I was like, so not in the right headspace, like everything was all over the place. I had no idea what was happening to me. I hadn't yet found practitioners or doctors who knew what was going on. And that doctor was just like, stop playing the victim. I was complaining about how no one got it and how like nobody was checking in on me. And I remember that feeling really harsh, but it was like a year later that I started to actually tap into that psychologist's advice, which I don't think was good to give at the time. But I think it's like a lot of us can feel why me, why is this happening? And it can be a really isolating experience 
And definitely a big part of the process is grieving your old self. And I still do have hope that I'm going to get back to who I was and how I was, but I'm just like learning patience with that. And, and I don't know how the rest of you got your injuries, but I'm kind of in the process of a lawsuit going to be started. And, and so part of it was my fixation on symptoms. And even with like LTD and all that, the casework managers calling you and constantly asking about your symptoms and having to go all these different appointments. For me, I had to really learn not to fixate on all of my symptoms because I found as I was tracking everything, I mean, like, okay, strong headache this time, then it got a bit lighter and writing it all down on my phone and using apps. And I found that was actually really debilitating because it really kept me in the headspace that I am sick. And, and I, that really wasn't helpful. As soon as I stopped doing that and I stopped feeling like in my mind, I was the victim and that everything was wrong. I really saw shift in my recovery which also ties into the huge thing about growth mindset um someone I, I was so grateful I created the Instagram account because it started as just me reflecting and then it's slowly grown and it's I've been able to meet so many cool people and one person uh had sent me a recommendation to read Louise Hayes uh, book uh what is it heal your life and I really found that helpful in terms of shifting my mindset, like we hear a lot in education about growth mindset and trying to focus on how you can grow from negative experiences. So for me, I remember last summer, I was really determined to get back to work. And I still at that point couldn't work, walk like five minutes without like complete symptoms and dizziness. Um, but and I know a lot of people talk about the importance of positive affirmations or gratitude, and it's really hard to actually apply them. But for me, writing down positive affirmations every day in a journal, and also I started a group chat with friends so that we'd have to text each other three things we were grateful for every day. And it seems like such a small thing, but it's so proven in research, like it honestly has helped so much. Um, it really helped me start to reframe and focus on the positive. And it's something that I'm having to, every time I start to slope back down into like feeling really negative about what's going on and, and, and really grieving. I, if I sit down and I write down all the negative things and my negative thoughts, and then I actively write how they are, how, how to shift them into a more positive lens, it really does seem to help. Um, another lesson I learned was about self-compassion. Brene Brown speaks about not shooting all over yourself. So I should be doing this. I should be better. I shouldn't be like this right now. And, and that was huge for me. I, part of my journey has really been learning about self-compassion. And I, I think it's a lifelong journey, but I think we're so hard on ourselves and it can be really hard. Like for example, yesterday, I got really good news last month that I would probably be done vision therapy soon. And then yesterday I went for my session and they were like, oh, actually, no, like we don't know when you're going to be done now. Like I'd really gone backwards and I was so mad at myself. They were encouraging me to just take a break. And I was like, I don't want to take a break. Like I need to keep pushing. I can't slow down. And I, I just think it's so common for us to feel really down on ourselves about how things should be going. And it's the same thing. Like I've been, I think COVID doesn't help, but I had gone off. I had started on all these meds, antidepressants and, and, and all sorts of things that had really helped me. And I was really proud that like at the beginning of the year, I'd been able to wean off all of them. Um, but I've recently been talking with my therapist and doctor and I'm, I've decided I am going to go back on my meds because I have not been feeling great the last few months. And, and, and that's really hard for me because I think it was easy when my injury first started to feel like, 
okay, it's okay that I'm going on all these meds because it's because of my accident. But now that I'm feeling better and I've made a lot of progress, it's almost like that stigma too, like that internalized feeling like we shouldn't be doing that. So that's kind of been hard, but I'm trying to just remind myself to have a lot of grace and self-compassion. And um, one really practical tool that helped me with that was loving kindness meditations. If you've never heard of those, I really recommend looking into it. There's so many free ones on YouTube or anywhere. Um, and I've shared it with a lot of my students whenever they're in a conflict with someone and they always say it's helpful. Um, but the process is basically really giving yourself compassion, sending yourself love, and then you send it out. And, and I always find that that's like super helpful. Um, another thing that's really important is just to trust the process. I, it's really easy to just focus on the negative and why this happened, but I keep bringing myself to just really kind of going with the flow and feeling like, I don't know how all of you feel philosophically about it, but I really do think that this happened for a reason. I think I was like on a path where I wasn't, I wasn't listening to the signs that the universe is trying to send me or whatnot. Like I wasn't happy with a lot of things in my life. And this has actually forced me to slow down. It's taken longer than I'd hoped for me to learn the lessons. And it seems I have to keep relearning the lessons, but I, I've definitely um, just learned to trust what's going on and, and the gift of this traumatic experience. Because when I look back, I wouldn't change what's happened because I've learned so much as a teacher. I've become so much more empathetic to invisible illnesses and mental health and been able to really empathize with people that way. It helped me start a podcast, which I would have never considered, but people who follow my account started suggesting it. And it's been really awesome. I've met lots of amazing people. And I think the biggest thing is I've actually learned how to slow down and really think of my priorities. Um, so a couple more. One is about listening to my body. Since my injury, I've really started to tap into intuition and trying to just People say trust your gut, but I feel like we all have this inner sense of knowing that we don't necessarily get taught how to develop. And for me, really tapping into the connection with my body, whether that's knowing what practitioners I should go forward with. Like at the beginning, when I would see some people, I know in my body, I was like, this doesn't feel aligned, this doesn't feel right, but I'd still keep going with it. So I think a big part is to learn to trust your body and, um, also with along with that is the whole connection between the gut and the brain like everyone a lot of scientists are now talking about how the gut is the second brain and so really eating anti-inflammatory hydrating a lot uh, i feel like for me my natural tendency when i'm stressed to cope is to eat not well but with recovery learning to listen to my body and treat it treat it with compassion the same way i'm trying to treat my mind with compassion is just nourishing it with the right nutrients um, which isn't always easy but we really I feel like a big thing is about learning to take care of ourselves and then the last thing I've learned is the importance of of sharing my story and connecting and reflecting um, really finding that there was such a community and once I got on Instagram and started finding all these amazing accounts and support like that was a huge shift for me because uh, I feel like at a certain point it can be really draining on friends and family who actually didn't fully get it and, and it just felt like I was sometimes talking to a wall or they weren't giving the support I needed. So being able to find people online has been huge. So if you, if you are dealing with an injury, which was probably why you're here, I really encourage you to reflect on it, whether that's just on your own journal or even starting a blog or posting on Instagram. I think it's so important to raise more awareness of it because as a teacher, when I first started, I 
I remember feeling like concussions weren't even a thing and that it, students were faking it to get out of schoolwork or final exams. Like that's really what I thought about it. And now going through it myself, I know it's such a such an isolating experience. So I really encourage all of you to reflect. And I think it's awesome that these kind of support networks exist because I think building community is really important. But yeah, as kind of a final thing, one of one of the ways when I reflect, I feel like just talking about my story has been able to help others relate to it. Um, so I've kind of compiled some resources. So if you do follow me on Instagram and don't know about it yet, I have a link to a Google Drive where I've kind of put together resources and saved handouts that I've gotten from people. Like, I don't know about where you live, but in Calgary, it took 13 months for me to even get into the concussion brain, the brain injury clinic. And they had set, you had to wait three months before even like being able to like your doctor to refer you. So there's like a really great handout with a bunch of really tried and true research and practical tips that I feel like I shouldn't have had to wait a year to get. So all those things are in the Google Drive. And then also the podcast I started, it's called the Calm Podcast because I teach a course called Career and Life Management, which is mandatory in Alberta. Um, but there's lots of episodes, especially at the beginning, that are specifically about concussions. Um, Adriana, I, I heard you at the beginning talking about how you're returning to work. So the first episode was actually right when I was returning back to work, talking about my journey, and I had met with another person who I connected with online as she started to return to work. So it has a lot of good tips in there. And then I've also interviewed people like Molly Parker, who is awesome if you don't know about her. Um, so yeah, that's kind of all I had to share, but I'd love to hear more about your stories and, and check in. Today I have Emily, who is also part of the concussion, the McGill Students for Concussion Legacy Foundation, and Nick from Concussion Talk joining me. Hey. Hey, thank you, Taya. Thanks, that Taya. That was an awesome chat by Emily. It was. Our support group really enjoyed um, her chat and her list of, like, the top 10 things she learned during her recovery. Um, what were some of the points that were your favorite? Um, honestly, I really liked, I think it was her third or fourth point where she was talking about, um, recovery, not being linear. I think that's such a key point for concussion recovery. Um, I think it would be awesome to just kind of reshare this list for everyone. Yeah. That's listening. Um, I can do that. I'll do that in the, I'll sorry. I'm yeah. not, I can do that in the uh, show notes. This I can put that would the be list. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so we can put all the notes in the um, description. But, Taya, maybe we could read yeah. through them. Yeah, for sure. So at the end of the meeting, um, I made up um, her list of 10 things to post on our Facebook page. Um, number one was the importance of rest. Um, and that resting is productive, uh, which is really hard to remember. And it's a hard way to view rest, for sure. Did you want to read off number two? Yeah, the importance of stress management, meditation, and stimulation of the vagus nerve is really helpful. Um, and Emily talked a bit about how we can stimulate the vagus nerve through things like humming, laughter, massaging the back of your neck. Um, and there's some other ways. I think she has a YouTube link that we can share. Um, I know I do a lot of this to kind of deal with my anxiety. Um, is deep breathing through the nose. Nasal breathing through the nose has been really, really key in my recovery. Um, I never learned that in my recovery. 
No. No. I mean, Amari Harvey was, you know, 14 years ago. Or no, geez, 17, 17 years ago. So, you know, it's a lot of change. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Our speaker from um, the week after Emily, actually, she is um, certified in a bunch of breathing techniques and stuff. So we'll talk about some more breathing techniques then, too. Cool. Um, oh, awesome. And so we talked about how recovery is not linear and just um, realizing that some days will be better than others and there will be so many ups and downs and to just take it one day at a time. Um, uh, Emily, go for it. All right, that's thing. I think that's a, good, that's a great point. And like people here take it one day at a time a lot and that can get a bit, you know, annoying or whatever, just like a bit trite and... Uh, and just, but just not so me not. I mean the the one day at a time is a bit. Like I said, it's a bit trite, but uh, it's especially all days. And it's just it is every day. It's just every day. It's just a different moment, and you know, yeah. live live like live it and accept it, and uh, just if it's hard and you don't you don't enjoy it, but if it's good, enjoy it. So you know. Yeah, definitely. It's um, it's really hard to keep that mindset too. Yeah. And to listen to people always repeat that, but it really, that's all it is, is one day at a time. Because one day, you could be feeling amazing, one minute you could be feeling amazing, and then 30 seconds later, you could be feeling terrible. So yeah. Definitely, definitely an important part. Um, and and it's, go for it. I was going to say, it's not to say that we can't try to do something to make it better. I, you yeah. know, I live by one day at a time, truly. Yeah. Um, but that kind of brings us to like some of her other steps, like four being the importance of pacing mm-hmm. um, and the spoon theory, which, um, Taya, I think you're probably better at describing the spoon yeah. theory than I am. Or... So, no, never, never heard um, spoon theory. Okay. So, I don't think the spoon theory is, um, <laughs> I probably won't do it justice in explaining it, but there's stuff, um, online all over the place about it. But basically, Um, the spoon theory is really helpful for pacing because, um, you'll start off with a certain amount of spoons in a day. And once you run out of your spoons, you can't do any more. Um, so she talked about how some days, um, showering costed her, I don't know, call it like two spoons or something. Um, and so she wouldn't have enough spoons um so it's just spoons instead of, instead of energy She's yeah spoons, so yeah. like um mm-hmm. like in the book the ghost in my brain um how he has like the battery pack analogy with the a pack the b pack and the c pack um that's kind of how you're viewing spoons um and it's something that people with um chronic pain um also often use uh it's just a good way to kind of not push yourself past your limit because we all know with concussions when you push yourself too hard you just set yourself even further back you know and it just all your symptoms come back with vengeance mm-hmm. um yeah. and then another thing we talked about um she called it um not playing the victim but someone during our discussion um suggested rephrasing it to sort of like not dwelling on the past and kind of letting people know what you need um 
rather than just expecting they'll know what you need. Like, uh, so just kind of communicating also is kind of part of that. Um, and don't fixate on your symptoms too much. That's, um, I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I think, go for it. I think that this is, um, this is super relevant in, in my story is that learning not to play the victim. Um, when I got my concussion, when I was 14 or 15, my, like my bad one for lack of a better term, um, I was super, because it was 2012, I don't know, if, Nick, if you can relate to this sort of thing since it was a longer time ago. Yeah. Um, it just felt like the doctors weren't understanding and I was supposed to be okay. And so oh. I was just like, they kind of, it felt like they were saying don't play the victim, which kind of I took as like, oh, well, there's something wrong with me. Like I should just ignore all these symptoms and everything. And I kind of ignored a bunch of stuff. And then it, you know, eight years later, it's kind of spun into a bit more of a mess. So I think it is important to have this balance between not constantly throwing a pity party and then, um, but also acknowledging your experience and walking through your experience because uh, it is a reality. Um, and I did manage to live in a world of um, delusion for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so it is, you know, everything's a balance. I know I hear you saying like at that point about it's reality and this is what it is and you know you're this is how you're living out this is life and from now on like you know just like or like or like it or leave it like this is your life now and uh, yeah kind of and but I yeah blood pain and symptoms too yeah. without fixating and uh, I never had the experience of because mine's kind of the opposite of that like I didn't I didn't uh, you know uh, there's never a concern of me playing the victim. Just way my, I have uh, I don't know treated it or whatever. So, and a person people saying that I could play the, not play the victim, but be more open because I've been, as I mean I had a, my injury was now again did not did use the the way I know concussions are I know the seriousness of post concussion syndrome and a lot, but I mean, mm-hmm. but I mean my injury was more acute. I guess easier way to say it, more acute and serious and very serious in the acute phase. So I was in a coma. And uh, and uh, you know I've had like permanent, well, permanent for at least seventeen years now. Injuries which are getting better, so and uh, my function is getting better. And uh, but I've, I've never wanted really, never been one to really talk about my problems like mm-hmm. that. No, I'm not, not saying. I mean, my friends and family are, you know, they know, and they're well aware of my issues and stuff, and they've yeah. been great. But I mean. There's only so much they can they can know because they haven't experienced it and uh, it's, yeah for so sure. it's it's yeah more doctors want me doctors people asking me questions like what can you not do or you know and they're being thought they're trying to just donate as they can without saying it like but yeah but I know what I mean Emily about it's just difficult really it's not so much doctors saying like for me it's not doctors saying don't play the victim or because it's the opposite but it's just people not being, not understanding it. Totally, it's not, it's not like a, because always there, like a visible, invisible injury, but it's, mm-hmm. it's more a confusing injury. It's kind of, it's yeah, a definitely. muddled, yeah. muddled injury. No. no one knows what the, what you mean when you say like, oh, I just don't feel right. Or my, my head kind of hurts, but not exactly. really. And like, it's 
aching but not aching and it's throbbing and not throbbing and it's, it's like okay what does that mean and the instructions they're they may they mean well but they could mean they may mm-hmm. mean well but i mean they just don't can't understand it because it's not them it's not yeah their it makes it really difficult to kind of deal with because no one really understands it and we also kind of just discussed like um how acknowledging your pain and symptoms um is best rather than like fixating on them because when you resist that's when they persist um so totally shutting out the fact that you're having symptoms and you're having these difficulties just makes it even more of a difficulty yeah. That's um, kind of like the yeah. point of this. Yeah, her, her number, her number eight was uh, is trusting the process, and this like mm-hmm. this says now. There's more so like this operation. This operation is a gift to the experience, which I don't know. Like, but the the operation, I understand. I understand that like, this like the gift and the operation to talk, but like it's just it's. I I, I've, I don't know. Always not always have treated as, but recently I've treated more as just. Not so much that it's a gift or or happened for a reason, but that it is a fact of my life, and this yeah. is, it's an event. That, it's an event. It's one of the events I had in my life. Like another event was like that. I went to the gorgeous, gorgeous warrior yesterday. Mm-hmm. That's an event, and that yeah, and it's, it's like really and, accepting it. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Like and like it's it's a matter. Like people think is like, oh, it's a major event, and it is a major event because. And they change your life, but like everything changes your life. Like, I mean, today changed your life just by existing or doing or not doing anything. Like, the, just it, it, your life is always changing. So, you take, to say like this change in my life is just a red herring way to bring it up, bring it as a question. Yeah. Question change your life, but like every day change your life, and every second change your life, and every mm-hmm. moment change your life. I guess. And I think um, that's what makes like her uh number six really important she talked about holding a growth mindset um Mm -hmm. so just seeing it as an opportunity to grow and that yeah isn't all negative like it definitely feels super negative and it is a negative experience and it really sucks but just like taking the positives from it and she talked about um how positive affirmations were really good or sometimes when she was feeling really negative she would just write down all the negative things and then actively go through that list and find the positives um and that was something that helped her a lot yeah, which I, I thought was really I, yeah i think i think sorry i think yeah. uh, sorry so go ahead on me oh i was just gonna say that i think that it's really really awesome and important that she acknowledged that sometimes writing all the negative things down, like what you mm-hmm. were just saying. Yeah. Because I do think that there is this, and, you know, I talk about my story as if it was, like, you know, very cut and dry, but I was 14 years old with a concussion, and, I, you know, I'm not sure <laughs> all of what is true and what had effects on what, but I know that I have this tendency to lead towards this toxic positivity yeah. where – instead yeah you know (laughs) and instead of um instead of acknowledging these negative things and then trying to alter my thought process about them or find positives with them and them I just like to pretend the negative doesn't even exist and so this is my little world of delusion and that yeah and that is really toxic when you try and carry this facade of everything is great all the time like you will 
you will crash and burn one way or another. Yeah. It and, will, um, yeah, it will come to a point where the toxic, toxic positivity is not being helpful. And so you just crumple down and you kind of got to restart. And, um, yeah. and I, I, I do really like that she talked about writing all those negative things down, getting yeah. them out because it, does really help, and then going back with the positive. Yeah, out. I, th- I think your your per point six and seven are just like you said, toxic positivity. It's called toxic positivity because it's toxic. Like it's yeah. not. It's not all great. I mean, just, and just and just not. Yeah. It's not. And that's and actually, oddly enough, that's not a bad thing. That's not all great because no. that's life. What that's would, what <laughs> We can't be positive 100% of the time. Yeah, exactly. We're, and for people just... to assume that and expect that is insane. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think that when we don't um, we don't acknowledge the negatives and walk through them, which I think is exactly what she's doing. She's by writing them down and then trying to find positives, whether you do it that second or a few minutes later, you know, as long as you're in this actively tr- like going through the process versus just getting stuck which I think is the play the victim thing, getting stuck in that negative, actively trying to get out of it. Um, I just lost my train of thought. All of her points really kind of go together, like the whole like not getting stuck in the past, holding a growth mindset, like getting through that negative stuff to the positive. Um, And then that comes with number seven, which was the importance of Mm self-compassion. You can't should yourself... um, like, and you can't compare yourself important. to your pre-concussion, yeah. pre-TBI Because you're a different person. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's just like you're I, a different person I, tomorrow than you, just as your first day than you were yesterday, yeah. no matter what happens. Or it exactly. didn't happen. Like, you're a different person. So. Yeah, and I think one of the key things for me to realize um, with the self-compassion is that, you know, at such a young age, I felt so much grief, and I couldn't really identify that it was because I was grieving my old self. Like Nikki was saying earlier, it's so hard to tell the doctors what's wrong. Yeah. Because you just don't have, for me, it was like I couldn't tell them what was wrong because I couldn't remember what was normal, but I knew that the way I was living wasn't normal. And how do I describe something that I don't have words for? Yes, Um, that's a good point. Yeah, it's important to acknowledge that grief. And I think the grief happened, I think it's really intense for TBI because we kind of grief different parts of our personalities and then we can't verbalize them but then also just you know losing different activities sports like that's such a big grief and sometimes it feels silly to be like I am so sad that I can't play this sport anymore but that is such a I have to have compassion right to others it's just just a sport and to have it just kind of taken away like that's that's a really that that one took a long time for me to process and grieve, and um, but it took acknowledging it and then yeah. having compassion, not telling myself I was being silly because it's just a sport. It's you know that you really loved that. Like let's yeah, let's yeah. acknowledge that. That's that kind of goes back to the whole um, acknowledging your pain and symptoms. That goes the same way for acknowledging your grief and the pain you're feeling for losing all these things um, because when you resist it persists and it yeah. just doesn't get better mm-hmm. you know? um, but definitely yeah. have those moments of negativity write down all those things that are making you so upset um, about 
whatever you're grieving and then going back later and trying to make it a bit positive. Um, and that kind of goes into number eight, the whole trust the process. Yeah. I mentioned, I mentioned this briefly earlier because I don't know if I agree with all. It's a gift, but it's a, cause, but it kind of is. You know what I'm saying? Like that it's an event. It's something that happened. And yeah. that's, I guess that's, you can interpret that as a gift. There's just something that happened. Like, like I said, like going to, going to the grocery store, grocery store is a gift because if mm-hmm. you're, it's an event that happened in your life and it wouldn't have happened if you weren't here. So it's a gift yeah. that way. But you know, it just, it changed your life the same way. Not the same way, obviously, but like, yeah, no, for sure. It's the same, like, it's a, it's just, you're a different person going into the grocery store, you're coming out, and I know that's difficult to think, to really under, get your mind around, but a lot of people get the mind around, yeah. but you are different than you go, even just go to the bathroom now, or they can see you're yeah. a different person. Yeah, just, definitely. Um, I think for Emily, the, the reason why um, she kind of felt like it happened for a reason, and that it was a this traumatic experience was a gift is just like, cause it's led her to advocate for concussions. And she started yeah. a support group and, um, and Instagram to support others and podcasts and stuff. Um, and it definitely, it's hard to see it as a gift. Um, maybe not see it as a gift, but, um, it was necessary like I know for me like I um I got a knee injury two years ago playing rugby um and I haven't played rugby since and that um now that I like I'm still dealing with it but now I'm able to look at it and see like it was definitely a good thing I got that knee injury because if I had one more concussion I don't know yeah. I would have out so it is kind of like um a blessing in disguise yeah, or just like it was meant to happen it was there yeah. there was a reason for it you know i uh i think i i like to think that ha- that things happen for a reason um i'm not sure i cannot say that with 100 percent confidence but Same. i do like to think that's that. the point um <laughs> can't say with i yeah, it might be like a coping mechanism. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. But um, I like it. And That's um, for me, like, it really is one of these things, you know, I think that a lot of people with TBI have struggled with suicidal thoughts. And there's, you know, for a lot of people who deal with that, there's kind of this, or at least for me, there's this handful of things that really keep me alive in those moments. Mm-hmm. And... I know that part of the reason I was having the suicidal ideation was from the concussion, but having this really like passion to help others and help them deal with it and get to the point to where I could advocate for those people really kept me alive during that journey yeah. sometimes. Definitely, and, um, definitely true. I have to say it gave my, before then I was kind of just, I was playing soccer. I was, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my life, which, you know, who knows at 14, 15 years old, but, um, man, I came out of that, like, I I think I was less than a year in and I was like, I know what I'm doing for the rest of my life. I don't know how I'm going to help people with concussions, but I'm going to do it. And that's something that I'm really, really thankful for. And I'm thankful for being able to be compassionate and understanding other people's experiences. Cause I think that really, lets me have an extremely fulfilling life 
And I think yeah. Emily went through this article where about traumatic brain injury being a gift and like some of it was because now I can be in the moment, you know, I I can understand how amazing it is to be able to go to the grocery store. Right. Because there was a time where when I was in the grocery store, I was going to freak out because I thought cereal boxes were going to fall on my head and (laughs) give me concussions. (laughs) Like, you know, or this, or I was going to slip on a marble and, you know, and that's so I point. think when I can tap into those those feelings, it it allows me to live a really fulfilling life. Like I can be so so much more thankful just to be able to sit down and write a sentence mm-hmm, or read definitely. a book. And that's and I amazing. Think, and I think a really big part of all that is it comes back to the whole importance of self compassion. The only way you are able to get to that point where you're so grateful for all these things is by being compassionate with yourself. Um, And for you that started with, and like me also actually, it started with being compassionate for other people and helping other people. And then that gave a sense of purpose and helped me to see that I'm helping others. So I'm doing some good. So maybe I should be a little nicer to myself because I am helping others. I am doing positive things. Um, and that kind of helps with the whole process too. That helps yeah. you go through things a bit better. Yeah, no, I mean, like the, yeah, I agree. the point, the point, Emily, you brought up about how like you started a gift and like you to give like, because I can see your life world differently now and I can, can be compassionate in a different way now. That's a good yeah. example. Now I just, I just, but now it's just time. I guess I just went from J to what it is. But like, it's just an example of how like different people. It's a different experience for everyone, and mm-hmm. it's a different, mm-hmm. different. Like I, I think of it differently, and we both have brain injuries, and my thoughts are different than your thoughts, and yeah. not, not glaringly so, but there are some obvious and obvious differences, and that's and that's great. The thing is, one thing, one thing I just think with the to accept that the, the the gift part is that this, this is a gift that I can just say like, okay then that makes sense to me now like that I understand what you're saying about why you think it's a gift and I do and I yeah. don't necessarily think it is a gift now it makes sense to both of us sit differently in a different way that, yeah just even the fact that you're able to have a conversation about it and see both sides is a gift in itself almost you yeah. know like just having the ability to do all those things is too. Um, and it's, yeah, like not everyone's going to see things the same way. And that in itself it is a great thing. We don't yeah. want everyone to walk around with a hundred percent, all the same thoughts. <laughs> that would be so boring. 1984, 1984. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are born after that, but, uh, that'd make you guys like older than you are now. <laughs> For me to be younger, I mean, but yeah. Yeah, I remember reading that book in high school, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah. <laughs> it traumatized me, to be honest. Yeah, I'm honestly, yeah, I'm pretty traumatized by it. Um, but uh, so step, uh, so number nine was trusting your intuition, tapping into the connection with your body, even if it's just choosing a position. Trust your body. Um, Emily talked about how. Um, there was a physician where she just kind of knew it wasn't going to work for her and trusting her body um, was really important. 
And the connection between gut and brain is the key to learning to take care of ourselves. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Cause, uh, what she mean, does, she, does she mean gut as in like intuition gut? Or does she mean gut as in the food to eat gut? Because uh, I guess it's better both, I guess. But uh, yeah. yeah. I've been yeah. an interesting connection between those two. Gut, my gut, the guts have I different issues. I have to go back and listen to the, yeah. <laughs> the recording yeah. again. I can't tell you right now. <laughs> well, um, yeah. But, and. Might have been of, too different. Yeah. Um, and so then to finish it off, um, number 10 was sharing your story. Um, this just really allows for you to reflect on your connections with others. Your story connects you with others who understand and understand where you're coming from. And it also helps and inspires other and that others. And that's kind of, um, what the, I was going to say that the reading your support group is, yeah, our weekly meetings is a group of people that understand what you're dealing with. Not exactly what you're dealing with because no brain injury is the same. Um, but they understand the struggle of not having people going through the same things. Um, and that you have a problem. Yeah. And understand that it is real. You're not making it up. You're not like just because Mm -hmm. you had a good day today and a bad one yesterday doesn't mean that you were faking anything. It just means you had a good day. Um, and so just having a place for people to be vulnerable and completely open, um, but also have some good laughs. Yeah. yeah. I I also want to say that I think that sometimes when we say sharing your story also helps inspires others, it does. And I think I used to think that I had to share my story in this like exact perfect way so that <laughs> it would be amazing and, and like so inspiring you could make a movie out of it. But it's really, I just have to share my story from my heart. And it can... It can be, you know, kind of incoherent, but as long as somebody is sitting there with some sort of desire to get better and some sort of willingness to understand, they they will take something away from my story. Yeah. So I just want to say to anybody that's listening and wants to share their story, we're always looking for speakers for our Thursday, and it doesn't have to be some amazing presentation. No. Just speaking from the heart, you never know what what three word sentence in your talk could inspire and help save somebody's life. It might be the simplest thing exactly. in the world and somebody just needs to hear it in that moment. Yeah. And I think our Thursday morning speaker meetings are really important because of that, because, mm-hmm. um, so many people are, are struggling and just, um, feel hopeless and feel like it's not going to get better. And so having someone come on, um, no matter, their story or their extent of their story some people may have had a pretty quick recovery some people have had years and they're still trying to recover um but no matter what it is there it does inspire other people and um it is really important to share your story for yourself to also recognize wow i've come so far i'm doing so well i'm a badass um but then it also inspires (laughs) other people to be like holy shit, like, I can get better. Things will get better, you know? Um, and that's, yeah, that's what matters. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's... And... Sorry. Good. I was saying both, no, both, both ahead, of you. Man. 
I'll say it's well put by both of you. Now, that was a great little uh, inspiring yourself little speech there, Emily, and uh, and about, about sharing your story. And uh, I guess I'll just kind of bow out and let you guys finish off. Do you want to finish off this podcast or 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 not? I mean, I'm just gonna. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'm still here. I'm not gonna go going. I'm just leaning over and just stay quiet. <laughs> No, sure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks to Nick for helping us um, make this podcast today. And thanks to Emily Frazier for joining us um, on our Zoom call. Uh, We'll have a new podcast posted every Monday morning. Our upcoming podcast can be found on concussiontalk.com, Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. You can find more information about our support group on concussionmtl.com. Our peer-to-peer support group is free and open to everyone. Um, We hold two weekly meetings on Zoom. So we have one uh, Monday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Thursday mornings, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our Thursday mornings are um, a speaker meeting followed by a group discussion. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at ConcussionMTL, or you can email us at ConcussionMTL at gmail.com. Thank you. Head Check Health bridges gaps in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Trek Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University and Volleyball Canada who rely on HeadCheck to improve communication and optimize care. Visit HeadCheckHealth.com for more. Music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound, www.bensound.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.